Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, I'm Kirsty. And I'm Kelsey. And it's time to hate watch with us. Welcome to our variety show for sarcastic people who are recording at three in the afternoon because we can. <laughs> because we can. <laughs> I love that, like, the two things that we regularly do on this podcast are update you as to how recently it's been since we've seen each other in person. <laughs> Which and has been so long. <laughs> it's been so goddamn long. It's so rude. It's or so rude. <laughs> update you on the exact time of day. <laughs> yeah. It's important <laughs> context <laughs> for our friendship that shines through every episode. <laughs> It's just like we need to walk into every episode and make sure you know exactly what's going on with us. Right. Right. (laughs) Setting the scene. I'm also really loving this vibe I'm putting out with my, like, public radio voice. Yeah, what happened to you? (laughs) Um, My... (laughs) My child is asleep in the room directly above my studio, and the last time we did a daytime recording, I woke her up with my raucous laughter. (laughs) So So you think that by controlling your voice now, it'll help you when I say something about Star Wars and dicks? (laughs) I just, like, we have a tendency to get louder, so I'm setting the bar low. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the sound bar. Godspeed. I'm trying. Okay. Uh, what are we? What are we here to talk about today? We're here to talk about a show that I think we talked about talking about. How's that for a word salad? Um, <laughs> a few weeks, months, years. Who knows? Ago. It's definitely been on the docket for, like, a hot minute, because it was one of the first things I did in quarantine. Yeah. And we got an email from one of our favorite listeners this week saying that they were watching the show, so we thought this is probably a good time to talk about it. Um, so thanks yeah. for the email. And <laughs> uh, we are talking about Miracle Workers, which is a comedy on T-B-S? Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm very confident in that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it just so happens that I do know that you are correct about TBS. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, Great. Good job. It's an anthology series, and there's been two seasons now. I don't know if it's been renewed or not. I can't find anything definitive. The only things I can find um, are back from the gap between season one and two because there was a change of producers. Mm. Um, But I can't find anything about a season three. Yeah. So, real TBD, but um, this is something that I sort of stumbled upon and was pleasantly surprised by, and I think it's a decent offering for quarantines, so... It's very good for quarantines. Yeah. Um, I'll also say that I think this is, like, a pretty big departure from what we usually talk about, only in the sense that, like, it's not a hate watch. It's just kind of (laughs) delightful and silly. And we enjoyed watching it. Almost everything in our planning document for the next (laughs) foreseeable future is, like, things we enjoy... (laughs) 
not hate watches. Sorry for the deception. (laughs) Here we are to talk about some nice things that we had fun watching. (laughs) So you, per usual, you can hate watch us. Hate watch our feels. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, this is just like a nice show. It's nice and it asks for so little of you. (laughs) Absolutely nothing of you. Nothing. <laughs> it's funny. I I don't I don't know if this is like jumping in. I, maybe it is. But um, that's what we're here to do. Kirstie. Let's just let's just yeah. We're gonna do a television review now. Yeah. Um, but the whole time I was watching it, it reminded me so much of like the old like parody fix that were popular on the internet in like the mid two thousands. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> just like like parody humor of like the lowest form, just yeah. like really goofy, silly, mm-hmm. dumb slapstick. Mm-hmm. Where like the humor is completely obvious and transparent and it just is very satisfying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The show I don't think the show is like trying to be a lot either. <laughs> It's really not. It's really not trying to be anything other than, like, a bunch of goofballs. Yeah. Exploring some very easy themes about, like, friendship and self-discovery. Yeah. Who doesn't want that? (laughs) Who doesn't want that? (laughs) Um, So what I know about this show is that both seasons are independent of each other per the anthology format but they have the same cast and they're both based on books or short stories or something that the child man who made this show wrote (laughs) yeah so i i've done like five minutes of research and prior to my five minutes of research all i knew was i watched one inside the dick from this show (laughs) and sorry to new listeners that's what we call inside the episodes it's a long story but (laughs) this is a good teaser It's a good teaser for some (laughs) upcoming content. Yeah. Um, I watched one inside the dick with this guy and like I had been looking down when it started and so I could hear his voice. And then I looked up and I was like, who is this 12 year old? (laughs) Was he in the cast? I don't remember seeing him in an episode. And then it dawned on me that he was talking about producing the show. And I was like, do you have a driver's license, sir? I had the same reaction independently (laughs) to an Inside the Dick that he was on. And I was like, huh, that man sure looks 12. He, like, look up Simon Rich. He is a child. How old is he? I'm going to find out. He was born in 1984. Oh, dear God. So... Because I was going to say, he's like, he was on SNL, he wrote a book, he's written some short stories, he produced a couple other TV shows, Um, he was a staff writer for Pixar. Like, dude has had an entire career. While remaining a small child. (laughs) Like, what kind of deal did he have to make with the devil to still be this small and dweeby? (laughs) Yeah, it's not like he's hot. He just looks like a preteen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he's just like, he's, oh, I gotta find out how tall he is. He's. 
He's 5'8", which is a lot taller than I expected. Wow. <laughs> I expected like 5'2". <laughs> Me too. I would have guessed an easy 5'5". Five five. Wow, wow, wow. Um, but he's like so skinny and like he just looks so young. Um, maybe it's the childlike wonder of his comedy style. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, it seems like the tone of the sh- these shows are kind of average, like they're not going to shock you. They seem like they're kind of trying to play off of some Mike Sure bits, but mm-hmm. not, like, <laughs> not nearly as, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. It's not as, like... I don't know, the words that popped into my brain, which are weighed away a lot, were, like, robust, or, like, rich, or, like, developed. What's the fucking word? I cannot think of it. Wow, I'm having, like, a brain problem. (laughs) (laughs) They're not as, like, sincere as what I'm getting at. Yeah, and they're just, like, not as deep. Like, he's not getting into, like, like your deep, deep feelings. It's just kind of like, these are some feelings we've all had. Yeah. I think they're much more interested in the comedy than in the, like, interpersonal It's not as, like, existential. Yeah. Um, I know when I talked about this before, I think I referred to the first season as, like, the good place light. And I yeah. stand by that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, do you want to talk about what the first season is about, loosely? Sure. So the first season is about Heaven, where Heaven mm-hmm. is this big corporation. And um, it's ruled by God, who is Steve Buscemi. And he is going through a midlife crisis. Yeah. And is like very concerned about what he has or has not accomplished. Um, and that is causing the entirety of the corporate structure to kind of implode. It's sort of like a, a bloated, poorly managed corporation. So then this angel who is what's her face? Um Yeah. Can't find her name because this the, monitor the is too chick. big. The lead chick. <laughs> I literally have not adjusted to this, like, 26-inch monitor that I can't <laughs> fucking use. Geraldine. Yes. Yes. With the um, last name I wouldn't attempt. Yeah. Um, so she <laughs> she's this chick who's just died, and now she's in heaven, and they're trying to figure out where to put her, like, what department to put her in. And she's like, well, I really want to, like, help people and answer prayers. And... The God's, like, personal assistant Mm -hmm. um, is like, no, you don't want to do that. She's like, yes, I do. So then they bring her down to this, like, dungeon. And it's just Daniel Radcliffe by himself (laughs) operating, like, a 1970s desktop computer and answering piddly little prayers one at a time. (laughs) (laughs) And meanwhile, there's, like, millions of unanswered prayers. And... They get into this, like, whole thing over, you know, answering prayers and whatever. 
Um, and she she decides, Steve Buscemi decides he's going to destroy the world because of his midlife crisis. And she makes a bet with him that if they can answer one impossible prayer, then he's not going to destroy the earth and kill all the humans. Yeah. So then the whole season is them on this journey to answer this very difficult prayer um, and try to save all of humanity. Yes. And it's like a difficult prayer, but it's also not like a life or death scenario right in itself <laughs> right yeah the prayer itself is like very nothing yeah which um, is fun and is treated as nothing for the two people involved as well yeah it just has these the stakes of saving the planet <laughs> yeah because Steve Buscemi is having a, a tough go right <laughs> and I mean, my favorite thing about this show is Daniel Radcliffe being unhinged. Um, yes. But in this first season, he's like, uh, a di- like a more reserved unhinged, I would say. And yeah. he's out there being all of us, taking all the low-hanging fruit of prayers and only answering those. And then anything that's like slightly difficult, he's like, no, I'm going to pass it up the chain. That's not my problem. Yeah. Just like throws it in the room of unanswered prayers, and he's yeah. like, "We can't do anything about it." <laughs> this is above my pay level. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a big mood. It is. It's very funny. Can I just say that yeah. in all of these years, I have not been sure if Daniel Radcliffe is a good actor. Yeah, that's fair. And now I know. <laughs> And I'm very happy with the answer. <laughs> He's a good actor in this show, at least. Yeah. The show yeah. definitely veers, like, if you're looking at the spectrum of Daniel Radcliffe from, like, Harry Potter to the guy with the guns in the bathrobe <laughs> picture, it's definitely closer to the guy with the guns. Yes. And I feel like that's more of his natural state. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. I think he's really harnessed the, like, um, broken child actor energy for, like, the best possible Mm. um, common good, anyway. Yes. Yeah, he's he's doing the most. It seems like he's really into it, too. Like... (laughs) <laughs> it really like that was one thing that kept striking me especially in the second season yeah is i just like get this vibe off of him and the whole cast like he's just having so much fun being there yeah like he just really seemed like he was in his element yeah and he's a producer so you know it's like <laughs> there's some level of input happening there yeah for sure <laughs> this is just like his weird passion project yeah it wasn't for this show. It was something else that Daniel Radcliffe has done recently. But someone was like, I just love that he made enough money early on in his life that he gets to spend the rest of his days pursuing weird passion projects. <laughs> it's so good. I'm so happy for him. Right? Um, yeah, I feel like the first season was marketed kind of weird. I don't think that it got a lot of, like, it really got much lift off. And I think that's partly because... TBS didn't do anything for it particularly like when I think we talked about this on the podcast before but I definitely got a vibe that it was a lot like zanier of a show than it is Mm -hmm. 
you know, it, it is, <laughs> but <laughs> not in the like weird like stoner comedy right way that a lot of TBS's comedies are right. Um, I don't know. I feel like they could have done something better with this, but at the same time, like this first season premise, I don't know that I would have watched it had I known what it was about because I would have felt like it was just trying to be the good place. So I don't know if they could have won. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, there was a vibe that I don't know if I can put my finger on from the first season that I didn't get in the second season. That was like, a little bit like the Island of Misfit Toys, but for television. Yeah. Like, there's something about it that doesn't fit in my brain into any kind of, like, it doesn't feel like it, like, hit its stride or something. Or, like, it doesn't feel like it has an obvious place. Which is, like, I don't think is the show's fault. Like, probably if The Good Place hadn't been on television, it would have helped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I do think you're right that that has a big impact on it because it it's like it literally is, you know, rehashing a lot of the same themes and literal plot points mm-hmm. as The Good Place. But it's not trying to be The Good Place. Right. Because um, it's trying to do its own weird thing. Yeah. It's certainly like a, a lot lighter than The Good Place. Yeah. It's having a lot more fun. Like I said, it's not trying to be, like, existential in any yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. And trying they're not to really be, like, worried about, like, deep ethical questions. No, they don't want to, like, solve any problems. It's more just, like, here are some feelings we've all had in life, but it's silly. Right. But isn't life so silly? <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing about the first season, I think, from, like, a story standpoint was the ongoing joke about how much god fucked up earth (laughs) and like why would you make giraffes what's wrong with you and like his family (laughs) thinks he's like just like the black sheep of the family because he made earth and it's such a mess the the moment when he reveals to his parents that he gave the humans free will yeah. It's just like beautiful. It's incredible. <laughs> it's such, so good. such a good scene. Yes. It's just like really fucking funny. <laughs> it is funny. Uh, um Should we talk about the second season? Because I feel like the second season is like really what does it for the show. Yeah. And I started with the second season. Because that ad campaign worked better on me, I guess. Yeah. But uh, I knew it was an anthology, so like it's very unlike me to start something halfway through. But because it was a reset, I was like, all right. Yeah. And we watched the first couple of episodes. And I was like surprised at how much I enjoyed it. And so the second season is uh, Dark Ages. And yeah. it's... A play on, like, medieval times in a very Monty Python and the Holy Grail way. Yes. Yeah. In which, like, the dialogue is mostly modernized and mm-hmm. <laughs> there is some, like, overarching sense that, like, modern times are still there, but not there. You know what I mean? Like, yep. <laughs> they're just out of reach. And it's extremely funny. Uh 
the cast is the same, but the um, roles they play are different. So um, the lead chick and Steve Buscemi are like father and daughter. And Daniel Radcliffe is the prince of the kingdom. And (laughs) he's like the doofiest prince I've ever seen. So good. In a really funny way. He plays like innocently doofy and helpless, unlike yeah. anything I've ever seen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he's like an embarrassment to his father because he's like <laughs> his father is like this bloodthirsty yeah. tyrant who yep. has been waging war with the neighboring kingdom and the neighboring kingdom is also like bloodthirsty tyrants. Yeah. And so they all just like murder each other constantly and like murdering family members at parties is like a norm. Yeah, and then Daniel Radcliffe uh, is, like, walking around the palace with his ducks, and <laughs> he's obsessed like, with his ducks. <laughs> has no care in the world. <laughs> and he's just, like, bright-eyed and completely clueless. Yes. <laughs> and he is, like, over the course of the season, basically, he learns about his privilege and that he's... Like, that all the people in his kingdom are not living this magical life that he's living, and he becomes friends with the lead chick, and in both seasons they have sort of a, like, will-they-won't-they plot that goes throughout, Uh, but they each have their own sort of, like, journeys of growth. It's exactly the amount of will-they-won't-they that I can handle, where it's like, this is more true in the first season, but it's like... They're mostly friends, but if you're into that kind of thing, maybe they will kiss eventually. The second <laughs> right. season's way more heavy-handed with them, like, actually, they actually couple up. Right. But, which, you know, I could give or take, but yeah. overall, it's not, like, it's not really about them falling in love. No, it's really about the amount of poop jokes that it can make. <laughs> the lots of poop. <laughs> the second season is almost exclusively about poop. <laughs> but it's very funny. The whole bit they do in the first episode about how everyone's last names are just what they become. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. It's so good. Yeah. So the lead chick and her dad are shit shovelers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's what they do. (laughs) So good. Yes. Um, I think my favorite thing, they really, like hit a good balance between, like, I was talking about, like, modern stuff and old-timey stuff Mm -hmm. in a way. Like, I can almost not put my finger on exactly, like, how nuanced it is, but my favorite example of that is the bard who is, like, a smart speaker. Oh, yes! (laughs) So, he travels around with Prince Chauncey, and he'll be like, okay, bard, play Play party party music, and he just goes, party, 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 party. (laughs) And then he goes, okay, stop. And he stops. (laughs) My favorite example of it was actually the lead chick's friend, who's a nun. Mm. And, like, there's the episode where the theme is, like, you know, you're, like, growing away from your friends. And she's, like, or her nun friend now has, like, a new friend at the convent, and she's all jealous and mad about it. Yeah. And then at one point, she's trying to convince the nun friend to move to Paris with her, and the nun friend is like, I just got put on creative for this new project in the Crusades. (laughs) (laughs) So good. (laughs) 
And they have like music festivals and like, yes. <laughs> that episode is a gem. It's so good. I like that episode hit me on a day when I was putting away like 17 loads of laundry on the first day of quarantine and it, it was like a rainy day and it was just like exactly the beat I needed in that minute. Yes. <laughs> um, you know who we haven't talked about a lot, but who I want to bring mm-hmm. up is the assistant in the first season slash the lord in the second season. Yeah, I was going to bring this up because my one quibble is that he basically had the same role in both seasons. He did, but I kind of like it. Yeah? I because mean, I- he's so... I don't know. He's such a personality. He's like a yes, cutthroat, like social climber. Yes, he's very. <laughs> but he's cunning. also like yeah, but then he is like a heart of gold underneath it all, kind of. Yeah, that's true. And he fucking commits in both. Yes, he's <laughs> so goddamn good. He was. I mean, everyone in the cast is my favorite because it is a fucking good cast. But he was yeah. like my favorite. I think he's so good. <laughs> he's like I could watch him all day. Yeah. Like if in season three they wanted to make him the new Dan Rad, I'd be okay with it. He does like petty bitch very well. So good. He's the pettiest. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It is. <laughs> um what else from Dark Ages should we touch on or is that like mainly i feel like that's like most of the stuff it's just like really silly and like the thing about it that makes it very different than the things we usually talk about is that it sort of does what it sets out to do and it does it well so it's really satisfying to watch yeah and like i would be happy to rewatch it but it's also not like it's not like a schitt's creek or a parks and rec where it like storm trooped into my life and like revolutionized like the way i see myself yeah, like it's not going to leave a very special place in your heart, but it's no. going to kill some time and you're going to be happy about it. But it's also so nice. Like, I think about it a lot. Um, it, <laughs> it has really good gifts. There's yes. some really fun friendship moments. Like, it's just like a very satisfying thing to watch. Mm-hmm. And it's just like nice. <laughs> Do you feel like the platform that it's on is not helping it? The platform what? Like... It being on TBS doesn't help oh, it. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Not at all. Like, I feel like it would do well on Hulu. Yeah. It it would be a good streaming show. TBS has helped no one ever. <laughs> no. Taking a strong stance <laughs> that I'm quite certain that, like, the right <laughs> listeners would be happy to call me out on. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I've watched much on TBS. Question mark? I don't know. <laughs> I watched a lot of TBS, I feel like, from, like, 2003 to, like, 2000. Oh, yeah. Like, they 12, can s- maybe. <laughs> syndicate whatever they want. But, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not here to watch TBS original content. No. No, thanks. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Prove me wrong. But yeah, I think that the show would, be benef- would benefit from... Um, moving to, like, a more traditional streaming streaming platform. Wow. I just feel like it maybe, um, like, maybe it's not the type of content that TBS would, like, go out of their way to do much for. Yeah. 
Like, I think that's the, you know, whatever you think of TBS, I think that's like the bigger issue is that this is not like, it's not like the core of their business model. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. That's fair. (laughs) There's not even anything on the Wikipedia about a future season, but there's also no indication that there's no future season. Yeah, I mean, uh, Dark Workers, Dark Workers, Dark Ages, uh, (laughs) just ended, so I'm assuming that things are in a little bit of a, like, flux. Yeah, that's (laughs) true. For a show like that, right? Like, it's not, we're not talking about Outlander on stars keeping the lights on right now. Yeah. Plus, this is a hard time for everybody in content. Yeah. All content. All content. So... But yeah, yeah, I I'd like to see what they do with a third season. Like are there does this guy have more novels? Like <laughs> I like the little the couple of interviews I skimmed in preparation for this it sounds like he has more material. Mm. And even if he didn't have more short stories like he was saying in one of his interviews that um, when the team was getting ready to write Dark Ages, he didn't let any of the writing team read the actual short story because he didn't want them to feel tied to it. Mm. Weird so in that- how <laughs> interpreting... <laughs> Sorry, I can't go down this road right now. <laughs> this yeah, episode I mean- will become an hour very quickly. <laughs> I'm so upset. Sometimes it's okay to allow your writers to make adaptive choices, I think is what Kelsey is getting at. Yep. 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 Um. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> also, also a hot teaser for things to come. <laughs> um, anyway. Anyway. A hill we're all dying on right now. Um, but the bottom line is that uh, I think because that's already his attitude regarding source material, like he could just as easily come up with an outline and run with it. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I don't think it was ever really about the source material so much as, like, he had it. Right. So. Yeah. Well, this is the short one, but. Yeah. It's it's quarantine, so we're giving you some content. <laughs> give, give Dan Rad more quirky television roles. That's what I learned from this is that that's the content yeah. I need. Yeah. I'm interested in that. Dan Rad being quirky on a 20-minute sitcom. Yeah. Also, this is another show that has short seasons, and I'm, like, extremely here for that right now, so... Yes! Continue. Yeah, I mean, I blew through both seasons in, the, like, the first week of quarantine, and it, but, like, in a good way. Yeah. It was, like, a very good amount of television to go through. The right amount. <laughs> the right amount. <laughs> yeah. American yeah. television could be shorter. Sure fucking could. (laughs) So, if you also enjoyed this show, or you want to talk to us about what you're watching, uh, be like Rachel and email us, or fill out the little feedback button on our website at hatewatchwithus.com. Yeah, Rachel, you used to think about our website, and I didn't know, actually, that that worked for people other than spam. So that was a very exciting discovery. I got, like, the little, we got the email in our inbox, and I was like, oh, listener feedback, click. (laughs) And it was from Rachel, and it was very nice. 
<laughs> we enjoy that. We do enjoy that. It's a nice gift, especially it in is. these our quarantine times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you can also find us on Twitter at Hate Watch with us, and uh, you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because some people in <laughs> what we think is a certain <laughs> fandom have given us a one-star <laughs> review. Yeah, we think we have some retaliatory one-star <laughs> reviews. <laughs> um, it's fine. We're fine about it. It's totally fine, but if you like us, but at yeah. all, then wage some more on those reviews and leave five-star <laughs> reviews. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else? Did we already talk about the Thought Bubble Audio Network? Nope, we should do that. Yeah, we're members of the Thought Bubble Audio <laughs> <laughs> Time for a rebrand. of a podcast network. <laughs> <laughs> you can find them at Thop- <laughs> I can't say it now, it's cursed. You do this. <laughs> ThoughtBubbleAudio.com or ThoughtBubbleFM on Twitter or you can search ThoughtBubble wherever you're listening to this podcast and you'll find all of their wonderful shows. Um, stay tuned on more news about the ThoughtBubbly Audio Network. <laughs> Our spin-off network for when we <laughs> when you need some s- s- seltzer content. <laughs> Michael oh Bublé sings all of our intros and outros. Ew. Um, speaking no, of which, if this <laughs> if this gets out in time, um, on April thirtieth, which is tomorrow, as we're recording this, there is going to be a Parks and Rec special. Oh, so yeah. you should find that on tv because that is like a red alert um also in terms of housekeeping mark your calendars for i believe march march (laughs) may 16th is it may 16th something Um, like that eurovision is doing like not real eurovision but a kind of eurovision and i'm sure it'll be on eurovision at home yeah so we'll definitely be covering that in our normal fashion but yeah. you guys should tune in. So yeah, Parks and Rec tomorrow slash yep. today as you're listening to this slash you've already. You think I'm going to edit it so tonight? What if I edit it tonight and then you're wrong? You'll if you edit tonight or in the morning, then some listeners will still have time. I suppose so. <laughs> if you didn't have time because Kelsey didn't get it out, then you can still look it up because it'll be on the internet somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, if I've done fucked up, I'm sorry. <laughs> if Kelsey goofs, then use the Google machine. Yeah. And watch some Parks and Rec. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, Eurovision is coming, and there will be some other content between now and then. 
Sure will. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye.